we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It is so good to see all of you in the room and online. Hey, listen, this morning is going to be a little bit different than our normal, typical Sunday. Uh, this morning, we are leaning into an amazing topic around justice and mercy and what God's heartbeat around that is. One of the ways that we've been leaning into that is through story. Uh, maybe you've known this or maybe you didn't, but uh, from September 15th to October 15th is Hispanic Heritage Month. And we always see uh, Heritage Month as opportunities uh, to lean into knowing those that are around us. If we're going to be a community that is for the good of our city, we need to know those that are in our city. So we had an interview for a couple of people within our congregation that are a part of that community. And as you take your seats, I want you to take a listen to the screens. Um, talking about celebrating this Hispanic month, and, actu and actually, I never grew up celebrating this or what it really means. But you know, one thing I am really thrilled about is just letting everybody know how wonderful it has been to be bilingual and to help those Spanish-speaking only patients, or I was a nurse, sorry, people to um, just understand what was happening with them and their illness, their prognosis, their diagnosis, um, why this was happening, what could be done. I loved doing that. I'm excited to share that with folks because it's so important for me to be bilingual and be able to speak two languages. For me, the the Hispanic Heritage Month is, is yet another tradition to help us remember to remember, to, to remember to learn and to remember to, to keep growing and keep discussing uh, what this really does mean to us and if it will continue to mean that to us. Like you, Rosemary, it wasn't something that I celebrated growing up, but today it's an opportunity to really take pride in my culture, but not only pride, um, to lean into the past. I think of all the accomplishments of people in the Latin community that we weren't taught in school. So I feel like this is also a time to do our due diligence and learn about um, their contributions to history and to culture, so. His, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month has never been something I celebrated. And I think that up until now in my adult life that I think about why is it celebrated or who created it? and why is it around? Uh, but like you guys said, I think that it's, it's about trying to put together where our past is due to how murky things have become uh, as to just time goes on that, you know, generations and generations come that some things are lost. And I think that it's good to, to have it as a month to remember things that maybe some of us lost and uh, recapture as Latinos or Latinas, Hispanic people. 
Well, listen, as we kick off this morning, uh, we're excited to enter into more of a conversational style in, the big, in this front part of our morning here at Ascent. Uh, so let's loosen up just a little bit. Uh, tell people about yourself. Uh, I don't want anybody to assume who you are. So tell us who you are and uh, some of the things that you do here at Ascent. Wonderful. Let's switch. There we go. There it is. So I am Quincy. I work with our community partnerships and run our community impact team. And so when you see that whole, hey, let's go be for the good of the city and some of these events like Logan's Christmas Shop, Chief Hayes Project, which is coming up this Shameless Saturday. So, I mean, we got to get there in we there. Go. Come on, there we, we go. need your help. Come on, help <laughs> us be for the good of the city. But, uh, you know, all of these things, uh, our partnership with Boulder Valley School District, all these things, is we kind of step in and I try to help us go and represent that as much as we can in our community. And I'm John. Some of you have uh, met me and I've gotten to meet you, but if I haven't, uh, I look forward to meeting with you and connecting with you. I'm the pastor of discipleship. And what that means here at Ascent is that I'm the one who gets to help you experience transformation in your personal development and to make sure that you find your place here, connect with people, grow, and to get into that endless pursuit of learning, practicing, knowing what it means to walk in the ways of Jesus for the good of our city and for the good of the world around us. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, as we enter into this conversation, uh, me and Quincy, it started with me and you. Uh, this did. past summer, we started having conversation. And um, over the years, I've been here about seven years, uh, teaching pastor and doing amazing things with um, uh, our racial reconciliation ministry as well. Um, so that's our heartbeat. And then you came on staff about a year yes, ago. Yes, a little over a year. Yeah, a little bit over a year ago. And then this summer, we started talking a little bit did. more. Um, and there's some things that started coming out of that conversation mm -hmm. about how much overlap you yes. have community impact. Yes. I'm doing things around uh, just awareness around race reconciliation. Um, and so when it comes to the overlap, we kind of saw there were some things that were disjointed yeah. also of yep. like, yep. why, why this isn't all in unison, right? Like there's community impact over here, race reconciliation over here, discipleship. I don't even know why John and discipleship <laughs> is up here. Like, why are we even talking about? And we started to have conversations. Yeah. So tell me more about um, the, the things that started to come up out of that conversation and why, sure. why justice and mercy? For sure, yeah. Um, on my end, as we started to communicate and, and participate, right? Yeah. Things were happening. We had that wonderful documentary. So many of the things that you were helping our people engage in, I took part in those things because they're of high value. And as I stepped into them, I was like, man, this is what you're doing overlaps so much. The communities that you're in and you're serving overlaps so much with some of the people in our community that we literally tried to, to make sure our events just give access to. And as I was thinking about reality and, and you know, even, even our nation and issues and all the things that we all try to figure out as we love one another and walk through life with one another, one of the realities of, of experiencing and seeing people, how they're affected when justice is done correctly okay. and when it's done incorrectly, yeah. having experiences and, and family members or just seeing things or, or walking through something, for example, with someone who may have done something and spent some time in jail or prison or whatever and watching them try to get a job mm -hmm. and just watching people even after their life has been transformed or things like that and having to still navigate maybe a space where even loving justice was dropped or something like that. Mm -hmm. So many of the personal experiences, I was like, man, this is intersecting right with some of the things that you're doing and yeah. some of the things that we hope we can do as we go and love and serve people. Yeah. So it was a lot of those personal even. So, so tell me this, 
that's some of the conversation of what we're leaning into, what we've been doing. Um, we officially kind of started a formal uh, ministry around reconciliation um, maybe about a year ago, actually, okay. right after you guys came on staff. Um, but we've done di- different things here and there. Tell me on a personal level, yeah. why does justice and mercy matter? Why is, it, why is that a thing for you? For sure. Not like what we're doing out right. there, not why we're yeah, helping yeah. people for yeah. you. For me, yeah. I mean, you know, just growing up in Akron, Ohio, um, I watched, and in some cases even uh, with family members, experienced individuals who literally just got caught up in miscarriages of justice. Hmm. So I saw, again, I saw things go right. I saw people do things and be held accountable. I saw, I saw people do things and not be held accountable. Yeah. And then I understood as I experienced this wave of levels and tiers, what I call tiers of justice. Hmm. So maybe depending upon where you experience an issue, uh, you may see something on TV and be like, oh, that looks important. I may or may not jump into that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a law has changed, something's passed. Maybe someone's giving out food to a, to a, a part of the city, whatever. Like, oh, it's cool, I'll, I'll jump in. But being in neighborhoods and in trenches and watching like, oh, I went to school with so-and-so and then watching them get, I mean, for this lack of better experience, I've watched friends get roughed up by police just because they couldn't find who they were looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen that with my eyes. I've seen, I have people in my family who are wonderful police officers as well, but like yeah. seeing, again, this, this macro and micro ideas of now, justice. I've been here a couple of years. You stepping on toes right now. So I, I've learned over the years, are we going to say the uncomfortable thing or are we going to stay safe? Well, I just did it. Okay, so you just you did it. I mean, that's right. All right. Well, listen. You asked. That's I answered, how we do but, it. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. Press no, into it, your but, experience. But, but all jokes aside. Yeah. The point behind this, though, is it all comes out of love. Like, that's if what I'm, I'm going yes, to sir. love, yes, sir. I got to step into the comfortable because that's awesome. But I got to step into the uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. So that's why justice love and mercy it. for this guy. I love it. For this guy. <laughs> listen, uh, for the, some of the things that we've done, go ahead. Put your hands together. Yeah. If you feel like clapping, give it up for our brother. Let go. There it is. As we talk about justice and mercy, um, for me, we've been here, I've been, like I said, I've been here seven years, almost going on eight years, um, and we've been every now and then touching on the conversation, and we've actually started to put language. That's what this summer has yeah. been about for me yeah. and you, is putting language. It's not like this is something that's brand new or something that's just now starting. Um, we've been taking strides, and we understand that there's a certain pace um, that comes yeah, with yeah. leaning into an uncomfortable conversation of justice and mercy, um, and none of us get this right. Um, one of the things that I started to um, take notice of is not only your ministry and how disjointed we were, um, but when we talk about spiritual formation, when we talk about being uh, shaped by Jesus in the ways of Jesus, uh, we start to think about we're also disjointed when it comes to this topic of discipleship. So, yeah. John... Man, why are you here? I mean, we're talking about justice and mercy. We're talking about community impact, (laughs) serving those that are unhoused, blessing our community, leaning into, you know, conversation around those that are vulnerable. What does that have to do with discipleship? Well, to follow up with Quincy, so far the conversation ain't cute. So we're getting into the deep end of the pool. There we go. We're trying to land that beautiful. I'm only interested in the deep end of the pool. Let me turn my volume down because I'm yelling right now. Let me, I'm getting excited. John, I'm tossing it to you, sir. Okay, I'll come in soft. There you go, there you go. (laughs) So uh, we got got to talking about the the integration piece of discipleship, holistic discipleship, spiritual formation. 
actually becoming like Jesus. And when we take a good, hard look at Jesus and we say things like, yeah, I'm actually a follower of Jesus. All right. Then what are the implications of that? What does that mean? That's got to spill into every area of life. It can't just stay in these compartments that we like to put Jesus into. It's got to, it's got to get into every container, every compartment of life. And then I was, I was thinking about the teachings of Jesus. And when Jesus started, the first thing he said was not cute. Come on. It was the Come kingdom, the on. kingdom of God is here, yeah. is what he said. That's his inaugural speech. Uh-huh. This is what I'm about. Come on. So he gets up, he steps up to the podium, makes this grand statement, the kingdom of God is here. Problematic in that there was already an established kingdom in place. Yeah. And that established kingdom was ruled by force and violence. Yeah. So it perpetuated certain things on the earth. Jesus steps into an already established kingdom, says the kingdom of God is now here. He's laying it down. That is, that is not a soft way into the message yeah. of Jesus, but he says, my way Come is on. the way of peace. Come on. I'm a peacemaker. Yeah. Peacemakers are not peacekeepers. Woo. Peacekeepers like to keep people on different on. sides of the Come table. Peacemakers step into the hard stuff. Yeah. So when we talk about discipleship and the integration of discipleship, talk, we sir. look at Jesus and what he did was after he made the announcement that the kingdom of God is here, he went out and he started to teach it. And he said, the kingdom of God is like this. If you look at the teachings of Jesus, it's like a seed, it's like leaven, it's like this, it's like water, it's like rock. And then he takes it from there and he doesn't just keep it in the information sector because if we don't have information without demonstration, then all we got is parking problems and noise, and we ain't interested in that. All right, all right. So what we want is a demonstration. We want to see it in action. So Jesus taught, proclaimed information, followed by demonstration. This is what it actually looks like when God shows up on the scene. Power structures are torn down. Systems are broken in half. We start addressing the hard things. So when we start talking about discipleship, it is a heart posture. It is an opening yeah. of ourselves to what's really going on in the world and actually following this rabbi, Jesus, into systems that are broken that are continuing to keep people locked in the corner. And we're not interested in that. Wow. We're interested wow. in giving people voice, giving yeah. people power, empowering people who have been pushed out into the margins. So we want to step in in discipleship as a full integration of community impact because yeah. we're interested in impact, are we right. not? Right, right, right. And racial reconciliation is a Come piece on. of that. So that's why we're all up here. The yeah. three of us are up here my, my, my. because we ain't interested in cute. Come on. We're interested Come on. in the real thing. No, no, my, no. My, we're interested my. in the real thing. Listen, Brother I'm just Q. sorry. That's just a pause Ooh. right there. For, come on, I mean, Come on. Should that's an amen, plate, yeah. right? I mean, goodness. <laughs> four minutes. Yeah. Four we minutes. Four four minutes. No, I mean, you got was that four, four minutes hey, that's, bring the heat. But in a real <laughs> way, in a real, real way, I, I, John, the way you are setting it up, the way you are um, bringing all things together when it comes to the things that we're doing, um, it is about the kingdom of God. It is about love. And there is a through line through what we all do and why we are passionate about this particular topic. Now, I know you two, 
I'm going to get into a whole sermon and stuff later on. <laughs> we yeah. can. You we two, can. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know you guys can. Here's, here's can. the question. Do you still want to get into your sermon? Because you're passing it to us. I don't know if you're going to pass it back. Man, I'm tell me about it. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. We're not going to do that. We're going to end up raising an offering. And, uh, <laughs> no. No, but in a real way, you guys have conversations yes, often. we do. And um, we had one this summer uh-huh. and had multiple conversations also. But as you began to have conversations with one another, uh, the kingdom of God, not just proclamation, yes. but demonstration, living into these things. I mean, we've been pretty excited for the last couple of months yes. as we've been stirring this up. One of the things you've been talking about, I want to give it to you for sure. and lean into as well. For sure, because it plays right off of what you were saying. And again, that's something even the two of us have discussed is this intersection. You just brought up heart posture, that intersection where, where that discipleship piece, that intentional discipleship meets the serving, the community impact, the loving our neighbor, the for the good of the city, that intersects right in the middle of that heart posture. So just one of my hopes and goals, and, and maybe you have similar ones, is that even as we do these events, Chief Hayes is coming up on Saturday. If you choose to serve with us, which I hope you do, we need your help. But as we go out, our goal is that maybe an experience of getting a chance to love your neighbor in whatever way, whether saying kind words, serving, helping to fix something, that will help you to have that heart shift. If maybe you haven't had time to study your Jesus like that or learn or have the experience, it's whatever. We're all stepping into it. But as John said, the goal is eventually we kind of shift from serve, experience, heart posture, change to Oh, goodness, I'm learning, I'm living, I'm loving, I'm walking in the ways of Jesus a bit more. Now my heart posture has shifted to be a little bit more like Jesus. And now it's just natural that I serve and I love my neighbor. And these events that we do that we love, they're just a part of the flow. And it's not just your entryway. Again, if it is, it's fine. We want to love our community the best we can. But the thing about it is there's something in it for us, not in a selfish way, like, oh, I get to go say I did a cool thing. No, if you want to, whatever, that's your life. You got to answer for that. But it, we, as we go, hopefully as our heart posture shifts, yeah. then it becomes, oh my goodness, I love my neighbor so much. Come on. I have to find a way to step in. Come doesn't on. mean you can do everything, but yeah. as that heart posture shifts and we become more and more like Jesus, then we're going to see this desire and even a tug to be like, you know what? I don't know that person. I don't know their story. I may not even agree with them, but I see that they need help. And this, there's, a, there's a Jesus tug on my heart as my heart posture is telling me, if I can, I think I need to step into that. And that's how I see it. I see like when you're talking, I see like love leaking out. The love oh, wow. leaks, when they'll start to happen, like <laughs> you start on. having love leaks, yeah. you know yeah. that yeah, when, yeah, the yeah. Heart, when the heart mm. experiences transformation, it can't not mm. get involved in people's lives. It can't. Mm. Yeah. It's impossible. Right. Wow. So we go from that, uh, I should be doing this, to could and uh, can, and yeah. I get to, and yeah. I want to, yeah. and you can't stop me. Come on. Because Ooh. the Jesus okay. in me has got to spill out. I can't just keep it for myself. Yeah. The container can't hold it. That's not what it's designed to do. Yeah. It's designed to give it away. So as you're talking, I'm getting excited. I'm sweating a little bit. I'm yeah. ready to go. Because <laughs> I, want, I want the demonstration piece. Yeah. I want to see it in yeah. action. I don't want to talk about it. I'm come tired on, of talking on, about it. On. Done. Preach, preach. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Well, as Quincy is wow. sweating and John is edging <laughs> to this, you know, getting to the edge of his seat with all the excitement, um, we are just sort of uh, wetting your appetite when it yeah. comes to yeah. this conversation of justice and mercy. And what we want you to sit with is what we're alluding to, what we're getting at as we look at Scripture, is that pursuing justice is not optional. 
One of the things that we're looking at is actually asking those that are around us why justice, or pursuing justice rather, is not optional for them. And that's one of the questions that we asked that same group that you heard from earlier. So again, take a listen to the screens. I feel like there's a lot of language of that, the, the church is you know, being worldly, but biblical justice doesn't come from the world. Right. Biblical justice comes from the word. And I think of Micah 6, 8, which says, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, mm-hmm. to love kindness, to walk humbly with the Lord. So I see it as a command and I feel like a trap for us as Christians could be to just stick in the thoughts and prayers And um, I'm a firm believer in the power of prayer, but we don't stop there. So for me, I I used to think that in order for me to do justice, I had to have a certain type of personality or, you know, do these um, extravagant things. But really my prayer has just been, God, you know, give me eyes to see the injustice. That's not only on the news, but the injustice around me. Give me courage to speak, not only for the voiceless, but those that have been silenced, those that have been dismissed and overlooked. And um, Holy Spirit, guide me, guide my feet to actually do this, to live this out in my day-to-day life. So yeah, it's not an option. And um, we do it alongside God. We don't do it in ourselves and in our own strength and in our own might. And Maurice's mentor has this saying, where he says, justice without Jesus is just us. So it's a reminder to me, something that I've hung on to, to make sure in my desire to do justice that I'm bringing Jesus with me. For me personally, uh, pursuing justice is not optional because there are so many times in my own uh, experience um, throughout life that injustices happened and I didn't know they were happening. And so now that I'm an adult, <laughs> um, I have more resources. I have friends uh, given the my background in, in uh, doing criminal defense investigations, uh, learning about the legal world and learning about being guilty, not guilty, and or figuring out the gray area in between to help somebody. It, it really matters to go after justice because if not, we all just are, for a lack of words, you know, barbaric to one, of, one another because we all have the complex of I'm better than you. And in reality, we're not better than any, and nobody's better than the next person. We're all, you know, under, bought under the same blood and uh, therefore we should treat each other like it. Pursuing justice can be optional, but it wasn't for Jesus. Today, as we lean into this particular topic, we need to know uh, that we are informed, we are compelled, we are inspired by the life of Jesus. And it's interesting that uh, sort of my problem began uh, when I started reading scripture. Because when I read scripture and I read the life of Jesus, and not just the life of Jesus, but this entire thread from Genesis to Revelation, there is a constant theme of justice and mercy. 
As much as I, in my own way, try to get away sometimes because it feels uncomfortable or it's a hard thing, if I keep reading scripture long enough, I'll continue to stumble into God saying to make sure that we're caring for the widow. Make sure that your eye is on those who are poor. Make sure that you do not forget the immigrant or the refugee. Be sure to not let your privilege be a stumbling block. This is the compelling motivation for us this morning when we talk about this particular topic of justice and mercy. Not only did it begin when I started reading scripture, but my problem began, or I should say the seed was sown rather, uh, when I started to listen to or listen or uh, sit at the feet of my grandmother. Some of you have been around for some time, and I talk about my grandmother pretty often, Ernestine Poole, a Baptist pastor all the way in Moreno Valley, California. I remember being with my grandmother, and one of the things that I started to notice is how much she didn't just talk about being for those that are around us by herself, uh, but she brought her family along with her. I remember all the way back to maybe being six, maybe seven years old, to the smallest things. I remember growing up with my cousins and my grandmother would actually have us go into different places and perform the temptations. If you know the group, The Temptations, it's an amazing group. I love The Temptations. I didn't grow up initially hearing hip hop or listening to uh, Snoop Dogg or Eazy-E or anything like that. I was listening to The Commodores and The Temptations. I'm an old soul. Uh, my grandmother would take us around to elderly homes, whether it was a business or a particular person's home, and we, she would have me and my cousins, my brother and our, my cousins, perform The Temptations. We would have faux leather pants on with a red turtleneck because it was always around Christmas time. And we was in that joint hitting the temptations, baby. I mean, just one, two, not too much. You know what I mean? Just right here, maybe a spin every now and then. I'm not going to do it right now because I'm a fall. But we would go around to these other places and it didn't start with scripture for me. It started by watching the life of my grandmother. And when we would go to these different places, we would think about, you know, at one point in my life, I thought we was going to be the next Jackson 5, you know, without Joe, though. Jackson 5 without Joe Jackson. But we did these things because my grandmother would tell us, do you know that some of these people that we're talking to that were going to these places no longer have family? Or if they do have family, they stop talking to them. The smile that you bring to someone as they're sitting in their wheelchair at this elderly home and you're performing the temptations is something that's special. You're bringing a little bit of a comfort to their day-to-day -day life. I remember that same grandma would take us to Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood and Vine, and we would dress up in fatigue. And she would be saying uh, pretty much that we were in the army of the Lord. That's what she would say. We were in the army of the Lord, and we would walk up and down Hollywood Boulevard as people are coming out of clubs. They're drunk. They're all kinds of things. They're all over the place. Just think about Hollywood, Los Angeles, all sorts of gang violence, all of the things. My grandmother didn't bat an eye, and we would go around and we would hand out uh, different healthcare products. We would hand out bars of soap and a toothbrush, mouthwash. We would go to a place called Skid Row in Los Angeles. As a little boy, I'm sitting there and I'm scared uh, because I'm around so much brokenness. But the brokenness didn't look like my home life. But that was the point. 
to move us out of our comfort zone. Pursuing justice can be optional, but it wasn't for Jesus. Our foundational scripture, as me, Quincy, and John are getting together, having more and more conversation, is found in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 29. This is a familiar passage, but I don't want it to be so familiar that you miss out on some of the principles that we're going to be extracting from today's passage. You might have heard about the story of the Good Samaritan. This is the foundational text that I want to preach from. It picks me up in verse 29. It says these words, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down. Jesus tells this story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down that same road. This is character number one. And when he saw the man, he passed by, watch this, on the other side. So too, a Levite, character number two, when he came to the place and saw him, this man that was beaten on the side of the road, he also passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, Scripture says, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He didn't just see the man and stop. He didn't just see the man and start debating. He didn't see the man and start asking the man why he was on the side of the road. He does something. The Bible says that as he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus asked the man who was trying to justify himself, he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Pursuing justice can be optional, but it wasn't for Jesus. This story that he talks about, it's a story about a good Samaritan. But we call it a good Samaritan here in our world. And if somebody, you know, if you found a person's wallet and you gave it back with all of the money in it, you would be considered a good Samaritan. That's a badge of honor. That's a worthy name to carry, uh, to be called a good Samaritan. But not in this day. There's an ethnic boundary that Jesus is crossing here because as he's telling this story, it would have landed on Jewish ears and they would have had a sort of reaction because Samaritans and Jews don't interact with one another. So Jesus is already stirring the pot. I asked John and Quincy earlier, are we going to be comfortable? When you look at scripture, Jesus doesn't stay safe and in the comfortable place. 
The question that I ask for us this morning, if we're talking about justice, uh, it is only inevitable to think about what is justice? What is justice? Well, the way that I want to go around this is I actually don't want to get too far into the weeds of justice. There is a Greek around justice. There is a Latin word around justice. There's some things that I can pull up from the historical text of what justice is and what biblical justice means. And I think that's important. And that's why me, Quincy, and John are doing what we're doing, offering you resources so that you can understand the ways of Jesus. But I want to step for a moment, and I'm going to be honest with you, this has nothing to do with Scripture. This has nothing to do with a a master's degree that I'm getting. It's me stepping on a soapbox. So if there's anything that I say, don't take it to the Bible. Take it up with me. I want to step on a soapbox just for a moment because too often in our world, in the Western United States, uh, we get caught up on justice and we link justice to a political party. And I got to be honest with you that I am so tired, I'm talking to Christians in the room now, of the faith community, Christians, people who are followers of Jesus and us getting so caught up on the topic or the word justice and linking it to some sort of social thing that's taking place in our political world. I got to be honest with you, I'm so tired of justice being associated with Democrats. I'm so tired of justice being associated with Republican. If that's something that you want to do, that's totally fine. But I think it takes up so much of the conversation that we get so bogged down of who says what. And now justice is a Biden thing or a Trump thing. And we're not realizing that justice is a kingdom thing. Yeah, I'm feeling a little preachy this morning. God's throne, God's heartbeat is built on justice. But it's not what you may think when you see CNN or Fox or MSNBC. Like, this is a God thing. When we start talking about justice here at Ascent, I don't need you to start talking to me about CRT. I don't need you to start talking to me about what something's happening at the school down the street. I don't need you to start telling me about bathrooms. I need you to come to me and let's have a conversation about the kingdom of God and the implications of that and what that means for us. Because what that means as a community is that we are pro-neighbor. Amen. This text this morning is guiding us to be motivated that we are for our neighbor. And I'm on my soapbox, I'm a halfway off. I'm gonna get off of it in a second. But I gotta be honest, y'all, it breaks my heart because scripture calls us to care for the least of these. Those that are looked over, those that are left out, those that are pushed aside. Not a political agenda. And so this morning, it's not about red, it's not about blue, it's not about an elephant, it's not about a donkey. This morning, as we talk about justice, it's the heartbeat of God to be pro-neighbor, to be pro-humanity, to be though for every single person made in the image of God. And I got to be honest with you that uh, being here at Ascent, as we lean into this topic, the kingdom of God will frustrate your political party. Yeah, the kingdom of God. I just want you to know that uh, if you're a Democrat in the room and you are so excited about being a Democrat, awesome. Uh, Wear that Democrat colors, whatever you want to do. But there will be a moment 
in our sermons, in our circles, in our small groups, where you are frustrated because the kingdom of God does not line up with your party. If you're a Republican in the room, you may love everything Republican. But I got to tell you that the kingdom of God will frustrate you. Because when we lean into the ways of Jesus, we will all be frustrated. Love my enemy? You got to be crazy. But this is the words of Jesus. Look out for those who are left behind, the widow, the poor. But what if that impacts me financially? Here's two things that I want to guide us into for the remaining moments of our time. To live in the way of justice is to do justice, not just talk about justice. And to do justice means we have to be proximate to justice. Point number one is simple, purposeful proximity. We see in our story this morning that the people, the characters, uh, they decided to go to the other side of the road. But the writer here is telling us, as Jesus is telling this story, this parable, he's guiding us to recognize that the Bible says that he drew near to the person who was beaten up, who was robbed. I don't just say proximity, I say purposeful proximity because we need to draw near with a purpose. Uh, It's like one pastor in New York would say, uh, just being proximate to one another, that's a sanctified subway. Uh, We're all different and we're all in this subway together going to work, but that doesn't mean anything. What's the purpose behind it? Purposeful proximity, community, uh, we have to be a people that draws near. This is one of the things that me, Quincy, and John are founding ourselves on uh, because when we draw near, when we have proximity, it breeds empathy. Not only does it breed empathy, but it breeds awareness. Justice is not something that we just talk about, uh, but it's something that we must do. Uh, So the question becomes, how proximate are you to those who are left behind, looked over, and pushed aside? If this is a Jesus thing, not only do we need to be purposeful, have purposeful proximity, but we need to have intentional generosity. Why do I say intentional generosity? Because when it comes to looking at what God has blessed us with, it's not just for us. See, purposeful proximity has to do with my physical being, moving out of my comfort zone, physically going to places that are not just a bubble and an echo chamber, but getting amongst humanity, recognizing that we are with one another and that we are one. And as I move outside physically, uh, intentional generosity has to do not just with my feet, but it also has to do with my wallet. Maurice, what are you talking about? You just lost me. Justice, and now you're talking about money. What can I tell you that Jesus tells us that our heart is connected to our generosity? I can tell a whole lot about what you care about by looking at your bank statements. I can tell a whole lot about where your heart lies when I look at where you put your money. To do justice is not just something that we must look at when it comes to moving from our head to our feet, but it also has to recognize how are we partnering with people when it comes to the excess that God is giving to us. I say, Community Church, uh, this is all driven by love. This is all driven by who Jesus is. And I know that I had a rant around all political things. Don't don't get mad at me. Uh, Email me at john at ascentcc.org, Okay. We all good. We're going to walk this journey together. But here's my, here, here's, my, here's my call to you. Here's my push to you. 
that we may look at our lives and we may continue to look at it through the lens of how am I continuing to lean into justice, to bring alongside this topic of justice in my particular view. That happens when we get proximate and that happens with intentional generosity. There's much more conversation around this and that's why I encourage you to go check out our website to do some of the things that we're leaning into even this particular month. Uh, We take immersive experiences. We've gone to the South uh, for civil rights tours and going into historic places to remember our past so that we can go better in the future. We have gone to historic places. We've gone to uh, historically black churches. We've done different things to move us out of our comfort zone. And we encourage you to step into that with us. Ascent, one of the pillars here at Ascent is for us to be a church that is for the good of our city. And to be for the good of our city means to be for the good of our neighbor. This is important to us, and I think it should be important to you because it was important to Jesus. When we talk about generosity, one of the ways that we've leaned into that is partnering with people um, that are beyond just Louisville. And I want to show you just a quick video of a friend of mine who we've got a chance to partner with and all the things that they're doing down in Los Angeles. Ascent Community Church. It's your friend, Pastor Lance Penland from Character Church right here in San Bernardino, California. I'm grateful to be here with you all and shout out to my brother, Pastor Maurice Cox. I have to say a year ago, God sent us to the city of San Bernardino to serve the least, the last, and the lost. As many of you know, our city is infamously known as one of the poorest cities in the nation. You step right outside our doors and you'll see people struggling with being displaced and homeless. You'll see others who are suffering through the trappings of sex trafficking. Uh, We've done our best to be a life-giving, love-sharing church to a region that's in need of that. Uh, We have a burden for young people as they're navigating the nuances of all the challenges that come with living here in the city. So a few months ago as a church, we endeavored a capital campaign to raise funding to hire a student ministries director that would serve the high school and middle school students right here in our city. We put out the challenge to some of our donors if they would be one of the 100 people to partner with us with a donation of $200. And I have to pause and publicly say thank you to Ascent Church for making the choice to be one of those 100. Because of your financial partnership, we've been able to hire new staff who are committed to reach young people in this area. One of the pillars in our church is Matthew 25 alive. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was in prison, you came to see me. And because of your support, we're able to keep that mission alive in the life of the young people in this city. As the pastor of Character Church, I have to say to my friends at Ascent, we're so grateful in you helping us reach the mission of our church and continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. From the bottom of my heart, to my friends at Ascent. Thank you so much. God bless. Yes, go ahead, put our hands together. Uh, Since this is what it looks like to do justice. Uh, Micah 6, 8 says these words uh, that we are called to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our Lord. Uh, the things that we are doing here at Ascent, it's just the beginning. 
And we hope that maybe you have questions or maybe you're just excited to jump on board with the mission. But just know that our heartbeat is to honor God with our lives and to love as best as we can those that are around us. Pursuing justice can be optional, but it wasn't for Jesus. This is one of the questions that I ask some couple friends of mine to answer. And this morning, it's simply to tell you uh, to consider leaning into what justice means for you and your family. Uh, The question that I asked a few friends was why justice, or excuse me, what does a church look like when we embody justice like Jesus? I dream of a church that is diverse in every way in disabilities, in brokenheartedness, in mental health, in different colors, different races, and each of us embracing each other for who we are. Well, when I dream of a church that embodies justice like Jesus, I think of three major actions, having good words, good thoughts, good deeds. You you take those good thoughts, you recognize, you're lucky enough to recognize what are good thoughts. You're lucky enough to have the discursive community to share those thoughts. You're lucky enough to have the strength to provide good deeds for everyone. That's something that I I see Jesus providing justice. He's taken his good thoughts, he's shared them with other people. He's, he's taken his good words, and he's learned from other people. He's taken his good deeds, and he shared them with the world. 